Good morning and happy Sunday. I'm Greg. Welcome to the Daily Bible Wrap-Up. As you can see, this is a little bit of a different location. I'm actually at a state park in Kentucky, enjoying the nature out here, traveling. So I'm recording from out here. We'll see how it works with my crazy little gaming headset here. The internet access is really, really low. Uh, the software is supposed to compensate for that by recording a local copy and then sending it up. However, if I'm choppy on this, I apologize. That's why part of this is just an experiment. Again, trying out new things for um, when I do the entire year, starting January 1st for next year. Today's readings, Proverbs 25, 1 through 10, 2 Thessalonians 3, and Jeremiah 31, 15 through 32, 25. Now, from this Proverbs block here, I'm going to read to you verse 9, quote, when arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. Others may accuse you of gossip, and you will never regain your good reputation. Now, items told in confidence should be kept in confidence unless there is a critical need to tell someone. So such maybe as perhaps one confessing the plan to kill themselves or other people. That would definitely be something where it's okay to violate that confidentiality. Now, if you're not sure if revealing the secret, if you will, is is for yours or other benefits. Consult the spirit. I defer to the conservative side because once spoken, it cannot be retracted. You know, I was actually thinking about this morning. I'm turning my pad around so that um, I can hold it a little bit easier. I was actually thinking this morning. It, oh, if you're wondering, yeah, the the text does flip when I turn it, and see this side, I have a little bit more space for my thumb without hitting the the board. See, okay, enough of the geek stuff. Anyway, this morning, uh, such an instance in my past where I let go of a secret when I was younger, much younger. At the time, I thought I was, do by doing so in some convoluted way, I thought that I was helping the person whom I was holding the secret for. But really, in reality, in retrospect, I was letting out the secret in hopes that it could have benefited me as well. I didn't take it to the spirit. I didn't know how to take it to the spirit at the time. Didn't know about that. And I imagine that likely most of us have had similar experiences and learned from them. The point is, besides a betrayal of trust, doing so tarnishes your reputation because if who's going to confide in you if you have a reputation of not holding that confidentiality? New Testament, 2 Thessalonians 3, this ends this short letter. Paul asks for a prayer that the Lord's message would spread rapidly and that they, from verse 2, will be rescued from wicked, evil people, for not everyone is a believer. Now, we have to remember that as well. Not everyone is a believer. Not all have our best interest in mind. But with strength from God, we can resist evil. You know, it's part of the Lord's prayer. Deliver us from evil. We are also instructed to stay away from idle believers. Now, what I would call lukewarm faith. I believe this is so that we don't adopt their idleness. Sometimes we adopt the characteristics of those who we surround ourselves with. That's why it's good to surround yourself with believers who are solid in the faith who are solid in the practice of the faith, because then that'll help you. And conversely, surround yourself with folks like that as well, or folks that you can help, but just be careful about 
how far away from your core what's the best way to say this you don't want to you don't want to stray too far to adopt other groups beliefs it's probably the best way to say it you know it, it's just kind of natural to do that we're we are a social species and I almost said herd species, but that's not right. But we're a social species, and we like to go along with what the group is doing. That's just sort of part of our tribal mentality is the right way to say it, I think. Because if we can still maintain some contact with unbelievers, though, maybe we can ignite their faith. Be aware of the situation because each is different. But my opinion, laziness, this might be a little strong, but really has... I, I almost I was going to say no place in the faith, but it 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 is detrimental to the faith is a better way to say it. Quote verse ten: Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. So this goes beyond the faith. It's just um, it's okay to help people to help them get back up, but if you help them too much, have you ever noticed and then become reliant upon that help, and they never develop the desire or the skill set to be able to take care of themselves. That's wrong. We should always be helping people to get to that point to, to be productive members of society and in the faith so that, yes, those are willing to work and will then get to eat. We certainly don't want to starve people, but it is, in my opinion, a sin to take away that very human right and gift of being able to better yourself with the pretense of trying to help by giving more. And when you're really, by giving, by enabling, you're taking away. Now, Paul signs off the letter in his own handwriting, as he often does, to prove that it is from him, that, that he states that specifically here. And I, I wonder if there was a campaign to pass false letters during that time. I wouldn't be surprised. It's been around for a long time. Old Testament, we are still in Jeremiah, we'll be in Jeremiah for quite some time. We're in Jeremiah 31.15 is where we pick it up, and that verse is, quote, a cry is heard in Ramah, deep anguish and bitter weeping. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children are gone. Now, I have to admit, I had to look up this reference. I had vague memories of, of Rachel. Um, it is from Genesis, Rachel dies give birth on the road to Bethlehem. The midwife tries to comfort her before she dies, obviously, uh, saying that she is going to be having another son. So I guess that later. And the child represents both the cause of her suffering and her hope for the future. Now, in Jeremiah, they see Rachel weeping over her children again as they are led to captivity near where he is buried, but has hope through the promise her children will, will return. In other words, the people will return back to the land. Verse 23, quote, when I bring them back from captivity, the people of Judah and its towns will again say, the, Lord's bless, the Lord bless you, O righteous mountain. Then Jeremiah woke up. So apparently this message came in a dream. Remember I asked kind of, thinking out loud a couple of days ago. I wonder how he gets this. Is it a voice? Is it a kind of a thought process? I didn't think dream. I should have thought dream. There's a lot of dreams going on in, in this story, but I didn't. 
Verse 31, quote, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. The Lord will, from verse 33, quote, put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts, the instructions, that is. And I, this speaks to me as both conscience and communication with the Spirit. I said before that I feel that conscience is, is very similar to what's being said here. It's, it's a tool that God has given us to, to help discern what is right or wrong, and that in conjunction with asking the Spirit's guidance allows us to, if we have an open heart, to discern the right path. Verse 34, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember our sins or their sins. Jesus died for our sins, just a reminder. That's what sounds like this is talking about in the future. Jeremiah 32, a message in the 10th year of Zedekiah's rule. Jerusalem is under siege from the Babylonian army. Jeremiah is in prison for repeatedly prophesying, I am about to hand this city over to the king of Babylon. The king will be captured. Um, then something about buying a field from his cousin while in prison, I guess. It's, it's kind of random that it was in there, but it seems like that it's to illustrate from verse 15 that, quote, someday people will again own property here in this land and will buy and sell houses and vineyards and fields. And then Jeremiah prayed. He was recognizing the majesty of God in that moment. And that's it for this moment in this lovely park setting. I don't know if you can see the lake behind my shoulder. I think you can. Beautiful, beautiful scenery. Hope you enjoyed the different scenery. It's so important, I think, to get out in nature. Here, you see God's creation firsthand. And my prayer for you is that you look for and find God's blessing of creation everywhere you look. Take care. Mm -hmm.